Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello, James here, and you're listening to the IAB UK podcast. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Teed's head of data for UK and the Netherlands, Jamie Toward. With Google finally phasing out third-party cookies in Chrome this year, most of the industry chatter at the moment is centred around the current state of play and what the next steps are. So, an interesting time to get under the bonnet of a company that's been working on their solution for several years already. We get Jamie's take on the level of preparedness for the post-cookie future, how brands and agencies can maximise the opportunities, and why not delaying and taking action now is so important. But we start the conversation somewhere else entirely. The Las Vegas Sphere, Tom Brady's retirement and a little independent film called Barbie were just some of the big moments of 2023 that captured the zeitgeist and made it onto the Teeds Media Barometer. And with some pretty big dates already in the 2024 calendar, including the Paris Olympics and countless elections around the world, I kicked off by asking Jamie to explain what the barometer is and what exactly it does. Teeds Media Barometer is a really powerful tool that we've developed over the past probably three years. It's certainly in its second iteration now, and there'll be further iterations in future. What it does is it looks at the content consumption habits of two billion people a month globally. Mm -hmm. We get about 160 billion data signals a day from the direct technical integration we've got and it interprets that into a visualization so you can look at keyword consumption or it works inside the teeds contextual taxonomy which is very very similar to the iab standard taxonomy for context so you can do things like search for football, although in in the IAB taxonomy it's soccer, and you can look at a time window, so I've done a lot of this analysis recently, we looked at the last Euros and the previous World Cup Mm. and we can see in different markets how content consumption goes up and down around these events or inside those taxonomies. So it's looking at volume of pages consumed about that, that context, but it's also then indexing them to make it easier to understand, to be honest, and, and help people understand the visualisation. So it's a very powerful tool. It also has underpinned some other developments we've done, which are available inside the, the Teeds Ad Manager platform, because what we started to see was the correlations between who's reading a specific context and what that group of people were also reading. Mm, So you can go into our platform and say make this up. I'm a food and drinks brand. I want to look at food and drink context. That's the context I'm going to target. And then the machine learning goes off and looks at the last 30 days of content consumption and goes, people who consumed food and drink context also consumed about whatever, electric vehicles or equestrian sports or all manner of things. But what we know is that those people really did read about those things. It's not a stated preference. It's not a diary that you ask people and they tell you what they did a week ago. No, exactly. It's it's coming from a really big base of data, a huge, huge amount of data, which means that it's really accurate. And we see some really interesting things inside it. Go back to thinking about the, the Euros example. There's a couple of things that surprised me when I was looking at it, and it is fascinating looking at it by market. You can see that when when, when countries get knocked out, you can see that they dip down in terms of content consumption, and then they probably come back for the semi-finals and the final. (laughs) But the things that I discovered were the day after a match 
is as important, if not more important, mm. than the day of the match itself. Very simple explanation, transpose it into real life. People read about matches, whether their team won or lost, they read about them the day after. Mm. And that's particularly important in, in big tournaments because the games tend to get played in the evenings. So people are reading about them the day after. The other one that came out of the media barometer, which I thought was absolutely golden, <laughs> is the fact that the weekend before the tournament, every market this occurs, particularly the Sunday, that is almost as big, if not bigger, in mm. terms of context consumption about soccer than during the tournament itself. Yeah. Because it's when all the major premium news outlets package up their projections for the tournament. People are starting to get really excited. Yeah. It's before they go back to work. Players to watch, fantasy teams you're making. Exactly yeah, this, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. this. Uh, and therefore, you know, if I was going to say one thing about what does the media barometer reveal, it reveals these unexpected moments. Got it. And quantifies them, mm. which is great. So it sort of goes beyond the sort of the human intuition, which would say, well, surely the the, the the sort of the launch thing and the opening game is going to be the biggest thing. It might be the biggest thing watched on telly, but actually the way people are behaving online is slightly it different. Is, it, it is different and can be different. Mm. Yeah, it, it does reveal those those moments that are sometimes <coughs> counterintuitive. Yeah, we know they're true. Mm. And they're different from what you would think as kind of like line of sight planning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of the time, however, what it will do is just confirm something that you think of as a human, as a Got media it. planner, and you kind of go, okay, yes, there is a correlation. Take a very obvious one luxury products like luxury watches or something. Mm. People are very used to, and media planners are very used to, buying into f the front page of the Financial Times. You know, you get the Financial Times today, it will almost undoubtedly have <laughs> like a Patek Philippe or, yeah. or something on, on the front cover. But we're able to quantify it. So we can see the correlation between consumption of luxury, or in this instance, jewellery and watches mm. content, and an extraordinary high indexation of people reading about shares and investments and things yeah. like that. So you can see something that you inherently feel like you know, mm. But it's quantified, and you know it's true. It's which is great. Reaffirm. It's sort of evidence. It's sort of re re reaffirms. Yeah. I guess for a planner or a strategist, is, it's, a, is it's, gold, it's isn't it? brilliant. And it's one of the work streams we're working on this year is to take it from being a Teeds product that we use to help mm. respond to people and give them insights, and to actually turn it into a product that will sit inside the Teeds nice. ad manager platform, mm. so that anybody who's self-serving will be able to to utilise that and get the insights themselves. They don't have to ask us anymore. Very nice. And we've looked back at things like the Euros. Looking forward to this year. Then, what is the barometer telling you about? I mean, some pretty big things on the calendar. Anyway, even if you just think about number of elections happening in the world and exactly. all those sorts of things. Some big sporting things, but also some big things for our industry as well, of course. I mean, there's lots and lots of answers to that question. <laughs> I think there's two, for me, that coincide, and I think it's something that people haven't identified, but it, it brings to life both of them. So... For me, the Olympics mm. is a massive, massive moment. Happens once every four years. There's 200 plus countries competing in it. I think unlike any other global event, yeah. it brings together communities, countries, you know, fanatics about individual sports. So 
that happening is a really, really big event. It's a massive media event, huge amounts of investment made against it. What's interesting is that for me, as, a, as the data geek, the person who's been thinking about this for a long time, is that judging by Google's published timelines, the cookie deprecation that happens inside Chrome might happen at the same time. Wow. There's a blog post on the, the Privacy Sandbox website from October last year that shows a timeline um, that cut, cuts up the, the year into quarters. And it shows Q3 with about a, a third of it is is there's cookies there. And then two-thirds, the back two-thirds of Q3, cookie deprecation. So if we read that and we take it as read then that suggests cookie deprecation happens in the remaining 99% in in the end of July, start mm. of August. And that's right the heart of the Olympics. The two things that I think about when I, I think about the Olympics and cookie deprecation coinciding. So, number one, back to your question around the media barometer, what the media barometer showed us from Tokyo was that the single biggest global content consumption day about the Olympics was the the first Wednesday. So the Wednesday right. following the, the opening ceremony. Mm. This year, that is going to be the 1st of August, I think, if my, my mental <laughs> calendar is right. Yeah? So if that, if that is the 1st of August, then the biggest day that we saw in Tokyo, if the same evolution of content consumption exists again, mm. that's going to be the day that, that the cookies go away. And we don't know how the cookies will go away. The last time anybody did a cookie deprecation at scale was Firefox back in 2019 and what we saw on on that occasion was and this is teeds but again it's it's big big data sets and lots and lots of people we saw cookie usability drop from 80 percent of of uh, firefox users down to around 20 25 percent mm-hmm. of firefox users and that happened in seven days now we don't know whether that's what's going to happen with google we don't know whether it's going to be a cliff edge, we don't know whether it's going to be a stepped waterfall or whether they'll control it to be a Mm -hmm. a gradual soft landing. But in the absence of information, we have to make the assumptions now because the way that the planning cycle works in media is that we're planning far, far in advance. Mm -hmm. We have to work on the basis that by the time we get to the Olympics, during the Olympics, cookies might not be there to help us the way that they have done. So there's, there's a big coincidence of, of the two biggest things of the year for me, the two biggest dates of the year, are potentially happening the last day of July and the first day of August. And, and yeah, th- there will be other dates, and we cannot be certain. Mm. But as an industry, the information that we currently have suggests that we have to plan for that date, and we have to plan on the basis that Google deprecate then. So everything that that planners, brands need to be thinking about in terms of their open web investments, they need to be thinking about how does that work without the cookie, what are the characteristics and attributes of the audience that I want to target during mm. that time period, how do I do that without a cookie because I've been using a cookie for a while. What's your sense from the market and, and uh, as you said it's it, we don't we don't know about the day it's a it's a blog post from last year but level of how prepared is the the, the market generally 
Because we always get these comparisons with the GDPR, and the, and the GDPR was a, a fixed-in-time thing. It was very, very clear what would happen if you didn't do it. The guidance was fairly definite in what you had to do, and what, you know what you had to go out and do, and, and, and it happened on this day. Uh, and I, why I think the comparison is unfair because this is a very, very different thing. The, the, the date has, has has shifted. We're not entirely sure what's going to happen mm-hmm. afterwards. So, g- give me your sense of how the people you talk to are, are preparing, preparing for this. For it. It's a big question. The whole GDPR comparison, we could do a whole nother podcast series <laughs> around like, how people have double GDPR. They're two different things, aren't they? Yeah, no, they, they are very much so. Is the industry prepared? I will give a answer of two parts, I think. So there's lots of research that suggests that it isn't. Yeah, there's a Digitas survey from 2023 that said something like 60% of advertisers thought that cookie deprecation would have a negative business impact on them. Right. Same survey, circa 50% of our agency colleagues said that they thought the scale of their audiences and scale of their campaigns would be affected. Mm. So in that regard... There's nervousness and doubt in the market, and it suggests that we are not necessarily prepared. However, I'll give a a secondary A, B point on this. Number one. Number one is you've got people like me who've been preparing for signal deprecation (laughs) for five years. And the industry has got a bundle of smart people who've been out trying to solve this problem. And in that regard, I think cookie deprecation potentially looks quite a lot like the millennium bug, in that everybody got really, really excited about the potential for damage and, (laughs) and, oh my God, we're not prepared, it's all going to be awful. And then we got there and that same group of people turned around and went, hey, what were you all wanging on about? It Mm. wasn't as bad as you said it was going to be. And the reason it wasn't as bad was because really smart people and lots of them have been working on it for about five years previously and and do you think it's conceivable we could be in that situation so what's what's your sense um, i mean overall Mm. yeah i'm actually very positive about cookie deprecation it was a technology that did lots and lots of stuff (laughs) but it was quite a lot of stuff that it was never designed to do yeah so it's got to be good that we move on from that Mm. certainly Inside the the Teeds ecosystem, when I put my Teeds hat on, we've made that migration already. So, again, some stats for you to consider. We delivered last year, 2023, so globally, we delivered uh, about 70%, fractionally over, 70% of the investments that advertisers gave us. The targeting of that was done without a cookie. Mm. So in that regard, we're kind of we've already made that step. I don't think, therefore, that there are not so naive to think that Teeds is unique in that it has prepared that well. Mm. Other players in the market must have prepared that well as well. I think the agencies have done a, a pretty good job of educating their clients to tell them about the alternatives yep. and to test. And therefore, in that regard, there's a whole host of preparedness that has happened. Mm come back to really simple things the numbers for the teeds are higher in the uk so last year we delivered about 80 percent of the investments that were delivered for our advertising partners in the uk were delivered without a cookie Mm. which is great and it's lovely to be able to give that confidence to people in a very very glib way i kind of don't like saying this because it sounds flippant yeah but nobody ever briefed us and said we want to target these people 
but you're only allowed to use cookies to do it. Right. They just said, we want to target those people. Mm. So effectively, the answers that we've been giving as T's, and I'm sure this is true for other players in the market, is, okay, well, we can target this audience, and away you go with your campaign. And the nicest compliment for us that we've had is that nobody noticed Nobody came back and said, oh, my media metrics have shifted. Mm. And nobody came back and went, oh, the brand results that I got were different. Yeah. It was, That's you know, the comparison I give when I'm talking internally with Inteeds is it's like we're bakers. And when we were baking a cake and we were selling cakes to people, and people loved the cakes. And then in the background, we changed the flour. We changed one element of the recipe. And nobody noticed that the flavor of the cake had changed. And people still loved the cake, and they kept coming back to buy more cake. Mm. They didn't need to know, and they never asked us what the flour was. Yeah. They just wanted the end outcome. Mm. And if the outcomes remain the same, and in the background, we've changed the technical methodology we used to get there, did it make a difference? And what about pricing and scale and some of those other things you talked about that, that were coming out of concerns? Any big changes there? Because I guess okay. advertisers might care if you're saying, well, it's going to cost double the amount to get the same as what I got before, for No, example. so that's not happened because we've continued to see the same levels of investment mm-hmm. being delivered on the same campaigns against the same targeting. Yeah. So Great. in that regard, from a team's point of view, I don't think there is an issue there. What I would point people towards, which I think is interesting, and and there's a limited amount of really detailed evidence on this, but there was an e-marketer study back end of 2023, which shows cookie versus cookie-less investment delivery out in the US. So take the example of the travel vertical. Mm -hmm. 87% of the investment was delivered against cookies, and 13% of the investment was delivered cookie-lessly. If you look at cookie availability in America, 65% cookie free, Mm -hmm. 35% cookie inventory, which means that 87% of the investment was chasing 35% of the available inventory. And you don't have to be an economist to kind of go, does that look a little bit Mm -hmm. like it might cause a market distortion? Now, again, say from a T's point of view, hasn't happened that way for us because we look at all sorts of signals and dimensions of data to drive our targeting, mm-hmm. optimization, the machine learning, and therefore we're not pointed at chasing cookies, as 70-80% of the investment suggests. We've made that migration successfully already. But it would seem that the rest of the market, certainly out in the US, hasn't necessarily made that step. Mm. And, you know, supply and demand curves would suggest that cookie inventory is maybe clearing at higher prices than Mm. necessarily it should do. That, however, is opportunity. (laughs) Because you then say, okay, when the cookies go away, or ideally before, if you start fishing in America, the 65% of the pond, Mm. because you can read those signals and you can still deliver those outcomes, if your concern is that maybe there's some kind of market distortion inside the 35%, there's got to be opportunity set inside the 65%. And that kind of explains why I'm feeling quite bullish yeah. about this transition. And, you know, again, one would hope that the industry recognise this because we need to recognise that Google's actually the last mover. Yes. 
you know, people get very obsessed about yeah. Google because it is big. <clears throat> yeah, I guess yeah. it's a scale and a share thing. Yeah, e- exactly. But the the last people to mm. go, and, and if you look at open web, and you look at the cookie percentages, availability of cookie in different marketplaces, most of the kind of developed markets, so most of Western Europe, the US, Canada, Japan, places like that, are already majority cookie free. Mm. So we kind of should, as an industry, have got to grips with that already, <laughs> come up with solutions inside the... I mean, the global number that we see is it's about 40% cookie-less globally, right. mm-hmm. but it's much higher in those yeah. sort of developed markets. Yeah. So we should have worked it out already, <laughs> and we should have already made the transition. And, the, and again, nice compliments for Teeds. We've got clients who were doing really, really concerted testing in probably 2022, mm. so Q2, 3, 4 of 2022, what they found, and this is this is supported by the, the kind of meta-analysis that we see, is that there's no discernible difference in media metrics. Mm. So there's no discernible difference in viewability or view-through rates and click-through rates and stuff yeah. like that. So we've got more than a handful of clients who, in start of 2023, turned around to us and went, why are we using cookies? Don't bring us any cookie-based solutions anymore. We're already persuaded. The entirety of our investments for 2023 will be delivered out without the use mm. of a cookie. And again, I'm not naive enough to think that Teeds is the only business in our, of course. In, in our market that has made that transition. Others must have. I guess the counterpoint to that is in a very fragmented marketplace with lots and lots of vendors covering lots and lots and lots of different functions. You know, the cookie has provided so many different functions in our industry. Mm. Somebody out there, and I don't know who they are, you know, everybody's selling really good stories to the market. Somebody's got to be bluffing. You know, there's got to be somebody out there who is more cookie dependent than we think they might be. And we genuinely won't know kind of who the losers, who the exposed are. Well, there is an acid test for this, of course. Exactly. There is a a potential cliff edge that's coming up that will really flush that out. Mm. I think that's good because if you've got weaker actors in the market, then seeing them being exposed so it consolidates into the good actors and the people who have put in the work Mm. have made the transitions have proved that these things work then all strength to the elbow of your members you know who are the good actors in the industry who who are going out and have made these transitions and then get recognised for it. Yeah. Let me finish on, on this, Jamie. You know, clearly, it's been, um, as you said, it's been a, you know, your life for five years trying to work this stuff out. And it feels like Teeds have been on this incredible journey and level of, in terms of how pre- prepared you are, is feels exceptionally high. Give some words of wisdom or advice for perhaps advertisers or, or agencies who, who aren't quite in that place yet, who have perhaps stalled a little bit with moving deadlines or yeah. capability or resource and are now finding themselves in a situation where 
you know, it's, it's going to happen this year and perhaps need to move quite fast. What, what advice would you give them beyond, of course, picking be, up the be, phone be, to yeah, teeth? Give, <laughs> give us a bell, I'll have a chat. I love talking about cookie deprecation. Uh, what, what can you do practically? I mean, talk to your vendors, mm-hmm. get a level of education so that you know what questions to ask them. You know, this is a complex, mm. fragmented, also really technical part of the industry. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, it's not that easy to understand. So there's a little bit of you need to upskill yourselves pretty quickly just to be able to ask the questions of the people that you're dealing with so i think there's a there's an education piece there's not very long to go on that but there's plenty of collateral and sources out there for for people to utilize so i I think there's there's that i would say test Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of me that's on a knife edge about this so go an a b test go an a b test go an a b test go an Mm. a b test there's a bit of me that kind of goes it's almost too late to a b test right so let's again go back to how planning cycles work so if somebody comes to me now and says we've got a campaign that's flighting in april because that's about reasonable for a mm-hmm. for a, a planning cycle yeah, yeah. and we want to run that for a month and we want to we want to conduct it in fairly laboratory conditions a b testing cookie based versus whatever cookie less technologies you might supply so that takes you to may you get your report back <laughs> start of june at which point in time you've got about 6 weeks to 8 weeks before the a b test becomes irrelevant because there's only A left. Yeah, good point. So, mm. I guess the advice is, if, you, if you're if you not feeling comfortable and confident, aside from talking to us and we'll hold your hand through it all and prove to you that we've already solved it, test kind of now. There's some agility like, needed here. Get, get yeah. The rapidity needed to gain confidence is, is super high yeah. because the clock will run out qu- quicker than we think yeah. because if we stick to the idea that in the absence of the definitive knowledge that the date is going to be the end of July, mm. it's actually not very far away. Mm. When you look at it through the lens of the planning dimensions that we move through. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to move quick. So I, that, that would be it. Education, test if you want to. Mm. Or, again, talking from a kind of more personal Teed's point of view, we've built our platform now so that every campaign that runs... The reporting split out into cookie-based and cookie-less. Hmm. So you kind of don't need to A-B test with us anymore. You just put your investment in, hmm. run your campaign as you like. It'll split out the inventory sources at the end and just go, that was your A-B test. You kind of don't need to ask us to set up the A-B test anymore. Yeah. But those would be the things that I would point people towards, education really important and with some haste and <laughs> with a little bit of rapidity don't, 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 yeah. don't sit yeah. on your hands on this one alright exactly. brilliant amazing Jamie thank you so much for giving us some time this afternoon oh, it's been my pleasure thank you Jamie Towered from Teeds there. Some sage advice at the end if you're finding yourself wondering how to prepare for the post-cookie world. And if you are, well, then let me gently guide you to the post-cookie preparation page on the IB site. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Sets out a directory of targeting and measurement tools, includes an FAQ section, and is even a pleasingly titled cookie checklist for advertisers. We'll put the link in the show notes. And that's it for this week. If you're enjoying the pod, I'd love it if you just took a minute to rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening. The more people that the podcast can reach, the bigger and the better the episodes can get. For now, though, thanks very much for listening. 
IAB UK, building a better future for digital advertising for the benefit of everyone.